I don't know if, uh, if, if you're a driver, if this is your favorite sign that you've come across. Um, interestingly, from our house now, since they've uh, launched it across Birmingham, um, you've got to go more than two miles before you get beyond the 20 mile an hour limit. Um, and uh, even coming this morning to, to here, I think there was a 50 meter stretch where I could joyride at 30 miles an hour uh, for the entire journey. I'm not sure I realized before today, but I was suddenly more aware of it. Um, and I don't know how many people, you know, honestly um, uh, can get, can drive for two, I mean, from our house, it's all downhill as well. So it's even harder to stay below that limit. Um, and uh, well, anyway, whatever your thoughts are uh, on that, um, uh, Pauline, who is one of the, our volunteers on reception at Riverside House, uh, calls me Steve McQueen, um, which I always like to think is because of my good yet perhaps rugged looks. Um, but I've discovered that it's because I, gave, I give her a lift home just very now and again. And it's the way that I drive around all the rat runs of Birmingham, all the back streets, and weave in and out of all the, uh, the, the kind of the speed bumps. And that is the real reason. Um, but so many of us in life find it difficult uh, to slow down. Um, in fact, the whole of life uh, can be like that. You know, whether it's the adrenaline rush that we love from being busy, or whether it is because uh, it, it makes us feel important that we've got so many things to do, we get noticed, uh, or whether it's just simply the pace of life that we're trying to juggle everything from family, kind of wider family, uh, work, church, uh, DIY, the next project we're trying to do, the challenge that we're facing, the disappointments, conflicts that we're dealing with, whatever it is. And uh, whether, whether we choose it in life uh, or whether we need it for our own self-identity or not, um, very often uh, affects us. But uh, this kind of weariness, this kind of fatigue uh, in life that we experience builds up. So much so that even a good night's sleep often isn't the cure, although that helps uh, enormously. And so we can become very heavy of heart. We can have a, a fatigue that prevents us from living up to everything that, that God calls us to be. Um, you know, we want to live out our values in life, and yet we feel we don't have the strength uh, to really do that. We never quite reach our full spiritual potential uh, in living because of this kind of fatigue or weariness uh, in our lives. You know, we can become so preoccupied to follow God wholeheartedly. You know, as Jesus said, maybe it's the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth or the desires for other things that come in and choke uh, the faith in us. Too tired, too busy, perhaps, to put into our kids' lives, to, to spend on the poor, to engage in those tricky confrontations and family relationships we might have. Uh, too busy and tired to speak words of affirmation and do the great things that God might want us to do. Not because we don't believe in them, but just simply because there's a, there's a weariness uh, of heart. And so the spiritual enemy of God has got two ploys in life. One is to get us to disobey, and the other is to get us uh, so busy and rushed and unfocused and exhausted that neither way do we end up doing God's will um, and being the people that he wants us to be. There was a guy who wanted to get off the treadmill of life. Um, things had just got too mad for him. So he decided to go down to his local monastery and he was just gonna take some time out and sign up as a monk. And uh, so he speaks to the head monk and the head monk says, well, one of the, the deals is that we have a vow of silence in the monastery. And uh, he said, well, I'm desperate. I'm happy to take on that. He said, well, there's, there's one rule. You can't speak at all, but every three years, you're allowed just two words. You can speak two words at that point. So this guy really struggles, and um, he eventually, um, he gets to the end of his three-year period, 
and he sits down with the head monk and he says his two words, which he's carefully thought through, food cold. Anyway, there's not a lot of improvement over the following three years, but uh, he struggles on regardless. And he gets to the end of his six years and again he gets his two words and he goes to the head monk and he's thought it through very carefully. And this time he just simply says, robe dirty. Um, again, not a lot of more improvement. Another three years go by. He's done nine years in this place now. And he finally gets in and his two words are just simply, I quit. And the guy says to me, he just says, well, to be honest, Sonny said, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> but uh, the problem is, uh, is the pattern, if you like, that we're wanting to do with these kind of different topics is, is kind of introduce a topic. And then last week, you'll have looked at like a New Testament uh, kind of context of the topic. And then this week, the third of them is an Old Testament, looking at the life of King David and how does it work out in his life. And so we've read this morning from how King David is chosen. Um, he's a shepherd, you know, the youngest of the eight kids. And God, although he seems to have some Steve McQueen-like uh, kind of outward features, um, it's fundamentally because of his inward character that he has a heart after God. And therefore, that is why we're looking at King David uh, in this. And so he goes on and he, and he writes uh, some words about silence and solitude, really, just in, in a number of Psalms. But Psalm 23, I've picked on this morning. So a man after God's heart. And he writes this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And uh, David had grown up as a shepherd himself, so no doubt he had learned a life of solitude out on the hills, you know, just him and the sheep uh, very often, and trying to work out what was life, protecting the sheep from the wolves and whatever else is out there, and trusting uh, in his God. When he becomes, um, well, when he's anointed king, Saul is still king, but Saul is very jealous of David, and so he pursues him violently and kind of consistently through the ravines, through the caves, and David is hiding in caves all the time, again in solitude and depending on his God for his strength, depending on God to deliver him uh, in every situation. Um, even when he becomes king, you know, Saul's dynasty is trying to dethrone him, and even his own son Absalom um, uh, tries to take him out. So he faced huge pressures. Uh, and yet he realizes, relies on God um, for his strength and his restoration. A man after God's own heart. And uh, he would reflect on life and he would reflect on God. And that is where he wrote the Psalms from. You know, his, his reflections on, on how those two things work together. The challenges of life and yet the faithfulness of God um, and wrote these incredible Psalms. There was a survey uh, carried out, interesting survey, on 95-year-olds. I don't know if there are any 95-year-olds here today. But um, they were asked, what would you do differently if you could get to do it all again? And the number one thing that came up was reflect more on life. Very interesting, isn't it? To reflect more on life. And in our lives, there are a number of symptoms that are kind of show us what we're, when we're fatigued, when we're weary uh, in life. So I've put this kind of little MOT together, which I find quite helpful. And it may be as we look at each one of these, you think, okay, I'm on top of this one. Or it may be that, okay, I've got a few problems on this one. Or it may be I'm really struggling uh, with this one. So the first of those is simply that frequent and constant feeling of feeling rushed uh, in life. There's not enough time in the day. There's not enough days uh, in the week. You know, our world is obsessed with going faster and faster, um, particularly with technology today. And we'll buy pretty well anything if it will promise to do something quicker 
than before. You know, instant this, instant that. You know, our parcels go by City Sprint and Fast Track. Uh, we manage our finances on Quicken or QuickBooks. Uh, we get our cars fixed fit, uh, quicker with a quick fit fitter. <laughs> Uh, we're encouraged to buy to slim with and diet with Slim Fast. And should you choose, you can buy your swimming trunks from Speedo. Perhaps not. But at speed and without rest, says a guy called Wayne Muller, we respond from survival mode, where everything we meet assumes a terrifying prominence. You know, imagine driving a motorbike at very high speed, where even a small stone in the road can be a deadly threat. So when we are moving faster and faster, Every encounter, every detail inflates in importance. Everything seems more urgent than it really is, and we react with a sloppy desperation. And so we get tortured by the urgent, and we, we ignore the important, and those things go undone. You know, one delay, and we can't catch up. You know, we could say more about it, but we've got to move on. Number two, indecision. That difficulty in making decisions. You know, is this a symptom um, that you see in your life. You know, we live in a late, an age of choice overload. A uh, hundred years ago, if you wanted to wash your hair, a bar of soap did the trick. Okay, today there are thousands of shampoos, and my daughter's got most of them. Okay, uh, there are shampoos for dry hair, for greasy hair, for normal hair, and presumably abnormal hair, for colored hair, damaged hair. There's shampoo with egg in it, shampoo with beer in it, and even the other day I found shampoo with chilies in it. Okay, shampoo for dandruff, eczema, and psoriasis. Shampoo to make your hair smell like any kind of flower, any kind of fruit, and several kinds of vegetables. <laughs> Just the other day, I was my, one of my lads is at uni, and he's trying to sort out the gas and electricity, and as you'll know, the energy prices are going up, so I'm checking the, the tariffs for him. And uh, I went on this, this site, and it's, it had 81 options of suppliers for gas and electricity. And then it asked the question, which tariff are you currently on with the one at the moment? So I went on that one. 144 tariff options that we had to work out. I was looking for the tariff that came with a free thing of shampoo because I wanted another choice to make in it. But choice overload doesn't help us. Do you wrestle with indecision? How many are unsure? <laughs> Third sign um, might be the overload of information and yet the lack of wisdom in life. You know, we live in a day when almost anything you want to know information-wise is available on the internet. You know, we live with, you know, instant information, live news on our phones, on our social media platforms, on our televisions, on our computers, uh, wherever it would be. We are the most informed generation, and yet the question is, are we the wisest generation? Okay, wisdom is about how we live. Wisdom is about what we do with the information that we have. And uh, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is more precious than rubies. And yet wisdom doesn't come instantly. You know, wisdom rarely comes to a fatigued soul. Okay? It's something that is worked out in life with great patience. And so the question is, are we living with an increased sense of wisdom in our lives? Uh, the fourth symptom... Um, it's a big one, isn't it? Um, that whole sense of being spiritually dry. You know, what is our relationship with God? You know, how, how superficial is it versus, you know, how real uh, is it? You know, I look at my prayer life and think, oh, this is only scratching the surface. You know, we look at the, the, the pressure on our world in today's society and ask, you know, how radically is my life shaped by God's word? 
You know, I want to keep growing in my spiritual character to see the fruits of the Spirit develop um, in my life. And is my relationship with God stagnant or is it, is it flourishing? Is it growing? Uh, is it shallow? Uh, where is it at? You know, so again, am I on top of that? You know, is that a few problems there or do I really struggle uh, with this one? And then the fifth one is uh, decreased ability to love. You know, we all want to be more loving. We want to be more loving into all sorts of situations. The Bible is very clear that the greatest thing in life is, is to love. Um, love is the greatest of all the things. And yet this, this kind of weariness of soul, uh, very often um, we find ourselves wanting to give out, but the tank's empty uh, in our hearts. Um, you know, we want to give out to our friends, to our family, maybe to, to a spouse, to our kids, uh, to a neighbor, uh, to the needy. Um, and yet our hearts grow smaller and our, our spirits uh, begin to wither. So again, it decreased uh, sense of ability to love. So just for the next couple of minutes, just, you might want to do this uh, just with the person next to you. Or you may, if you don't want to do that, just, just on your own. Just think through which one of these would you most like to change and why? So which of these would you most like to change? You're allowed to pick one. Okay. So maybe in twos or if you, you know, on your own. Okay, which one is most perfect? Okay, let's uh, draw those conversations. You can follow that one up again in, in time. Um, David was a king who had huge pressures upon him. He had leadership pressures on him. Um, he was hunted down by his enemies. He had family conflict. Um, and then he had a lot of failure in his life with his own disobedience and the consequences that came from that. But in the Psalms, and particularly in Psalm 23, he describes and he demonstrates another way of living, uh, a way that lives life well. And uh, I just want to draw on these four statements, if you like, in these two verses, because with each statement, there's, there's a choice that you and I can make. And if we take and adopt that, then the promise at the end is he refreshes our soul or he restores our souls. And so the first one is simply that, is the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd. It is a basic decision that we make in life. You know, have I put my life fully in God's hands? Do I ask God to shepherd me on a day-by-day -day basis? You know, Lord, will you lead my life? Will you care for my life? Will you lead me through the, the, the things that I have uh, today? Um, as we looked at a couple of weeks back, and uh, Nikki shared earlier from Psalm 46, you know, the heart of it is to be still and know that God is God in our lives. Silence and solitude is simply taking some time out to remind ourselves that God is God and quietly asking him to shepherd us, to lead us. The alternative is, I will face life entirely on my own. I will worry about the future. I will worry about all of these things. I'll be anxious about my relationships, job, whatever. And I'll just on my own, rather than coming to this God. You know, when have you ever heard worry defined as a constructive, life-giving way to deal with the future? Okay, very rarely, if ever. Okay, the shepherd, though, is there for you. Okay, the good shepherd is with us um, for all of these things, to shield us and to lead us through life. That's the first of them. The second statement, I shall not want, or I lack nothing. Because he's the good shepherd, he genuinely cares about our needs. And therefore, I shall not want. 
I shall be content, if you like, in life. You know, the consumer businesses of our world spend their time, their energy, and their money trying to tell us two things. Number one, you are currently discontent. And number two, contentment will come with this one next purchase. Okay? And we fall for it. So we buy it, we wear it, we, we drive it, we download it, we, we put it in our hair, whatever it is. But God knows what you do need and what you don't need. Um, and we'll be unpacking simplicity a little bit later on in the term. But silence and solitude is stepping out of our consumer world and uh, the consumer noise, if you like, just even for a few minutes of our day, uh, of our week. And just reflecting and listening on these words of God. I shall not want. I will be content. And perhaps actually what God has given us, that he has blessed us in the spiritual realms with every spiritual blessing possible. God knows what we really need in life. And so it is about stepping out of this onslaught of information overload. It's about stepping out of the smog of consumerism and drawing deeply on God and on his kind of fresh heavenly air in our hearts and lives. So have you made that choice? Do we ask God to shepherd us and to be content and be thankful? The third choice, the third statement, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Because the alternative is constant busyness and an overcommitted uh, lifestyle. Um, it's like when you go camping uh, as a kid or perhaps a, a sleepover. And you know that point, there's, there's about, I don't know, 10 kids or something. And you're waiting for everybody to finally put their heads on the pillow and go to sleep. But it's now three in the morning and you, everybody's head's nearly down. And then, of course, somebody pops up cracks a joke and everybody's back up again because they don't want to miss out on the next thing and on it goes till five o'clock in the morning or whatever. Okay, we struggle to be still in life. Uh, there's a guy who did some research on sheep and shepherds, okay, and he found three things out about why sheep don't sleep if they're, if they're struggling. Seems ridiculous, but it's quite interesting. I don't know if he did in-depth uh, interviews just with the shepherds, I'm presuming he did, rather than with the sheep, but uh, here we go. Here's what he discovered is that number one was fear because sheep are timid creatures. Number two, friction, that social pecking order conflict. And number three, hunger, their appetites. But they're true of us as human beings. They're the things that stop us from sleeping at night. You know, the fears, uh, uh, relational conflict, appetites uh, in life. Um, all of them robbers of rest and they're robbers of peace. And silence and solitude is about just reflecting on the condition of our souls. It's looking at those things in our lives and, uh, and bringing them before God and letting God begin to deal with them. Um, it is also about rest as well. But this, this third choice is to, is to find some solitude, find some time with God and allow his spirit to search our souls, to find out what, what is in here and what's healthy and what, what is unhealthy if you like. Um, it may be a stressful meeting at work, and, uh, or it may be you're in a caring profession and you go through a challenging kind of um, day with a patient or something, and all you need is this 10 minutes out of that situation. It may be that your green pasture is just simply a walk outside for five or 10 minutes just to get your head together on it. What has just happened? The fourth statement, he leaves me beside quiet waters. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that God's waters are quiet waters. 
Um, remember Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah 8, verses 6 and 7 about God's people. And it says that they've, they've rejected God's gently flowing waters of Shiloh. And therefore, the judgment comes, which is the Assyrian army are going to come like the mighty floodwaters and kind of take over everything. Uh, when David was with his sheep, when he led his sheep to drink, he took them to the quiet waters so that they could lap. You don't take them to the wild waters where the, the sheep just get wet faces or get swept away down the river. Okay? It's where they can drink. And so it is in our lives. It's the quiet waters um, that we go to. We need to depend upon the hidden spiritual resources that come from God, the quiet waters. Now, I am not naturally, okay, my confession here, a big fan of silence and solitude. That is not my natural leaning in life. And I was once on a discipleship program where we had to be silent for a whole day. Okay, forget the three-year thing, a whole day. Now, it wasn't long before I started sign language because I needed to communicate with people. And, uh, and then I got picked up for that one. So then it was eyebrows and eye contact. And it's amazing what you can communicate with a few eye movements. I realized that this wasn't working for me and it wasn't really working for anyone else. So I took myself up, uh, up the hills and uh, God in his humor and in his great understanding and grace, I believe, actually what was meant to be a very silent day turned out to be the noisiest day of my life because the wind was blowing an absolute hooli up the hills and I'm in this cagoule, there's racket going on, but I couldn't hear anybody else, that's for sure. And then the, the, the storm got worse and the, the rain got heavier and I, and I decided to get under this rock just to hide in the cleft of this rock. But actually, it was quite a profound experience when you start to realize that that is where we are positioned in Christ, that he protects us from the storms, that we can be hidden from him. And it may not have been completely silence. As I say, it was very noisy, um, but it was very definitely solitude in my life. But we live in a noisy world. We live in a demanding, rushing world what do you do to get away from it all? What do you do to get perspective uh, on life? Because we're actually addicted to so much of the, the rush and the noise. And the rest. We find it difficult to switch the television off or the radio off or iTunes or Spotify or our social media notifications are on and our work emails come straight to our phone and all the visual noise is a whole other area. And often we're quite nervous of silence. We're quite nervous of just being on our own um, because we're confronted with our hearts. And sometimes, you know, there are attitudes in there, there are motivations in there that are, that are quite ugly and that uh, we prefer not to, to see. And yet, it's an incredibly powerful way uh, to deal with, with that and allow God to restore us and to bring health into our lives. So we need to switch off from the noise and the electronic noise, whether that's to connect with those that are close to us or whether it's to connect with the good shepherd and let him speak to our souls. So do you give space for God's quiet waters in your life? So the Lord's my shepherd, ask him to shepherd us each day this week. I shall not want, be quietly thankful and content, stepping out of the smog of our consumerist world. He makes me lie down in green pastures, time to rest and just reflect on the condition of our own souls. He leaves me beside quiet waters, switch off the noise and drink from God's gentle waters. And his promise is he will restore our souls. An incredible promise. Um, we've also just got a new course which actually starts this evening called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality because discipleship is about inner transformation 
uh, in our lives. Um, and a lot of people you know, think the church in the West is, is heading for a crisis because there's, there's quite a shallow sense of discipleship often. And we're living in a culture too which is increasingly opposed to the, the principles of Scripture. And therefore we need to be shaped by Jesus and by his words um, more than ever. And the, the big issues they've, they've kind of identified is one, people are too busy uh, to do this stuff. And secondly, there's, never, there's often not a commitment to be discipled in life. Um, and so the course we're launching, which, as I say, starts tonight, is just one answer uh, to try and, and help with that. And it's got a couple of components to it. One is, is the fact that emotional health and spiritual health are intrinsically linked, that you can't be spiritually mature um, while remaining emotionally immature. And the second is that we must slow down and have time just to be uh, with Jesus. And so it's about bringing those two things together, emotional health and slowing down to be with him, which is a transformational approach uh, to our lives. Um, Because it is about doing stuff that is deep beneath the surface uh, in our lives, um, but in a way that that helps us to do that um, in in a realistic way, so that we can have a greater impact upon our world and actually in a way that is sustainable uh, in life. So it's been developed to, to build some of those foundations and uh, some, uh, lots of small group activity uh, around that um, so that we can long-term be people who are fully devoted uh, to Jesus uh, in our lives. 